towards Oden Roy. Brilliant save indeed. Walsh has scored. Leicester City are in dreamland now. Lovely close control there by Weller. Chance on for Virgin or the whack one. It's a beautiful goal. What a Leicester cannot keep a clean sheet to save their lives. Shocking defending against Aston Villa and Southampton. We discuss all the options for trying to keep a clean sheet. Who needs to change, how they need to change, change a formation, whatever. It's all on the table. Plenty of rants, plenty of laughs as well. All this on for Fox's sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me is single man Rob Hayes. Legally single, uh, officially not single for many, many years now. But uh, yes, my final For Fox Sake podcast as an as an as an unmarried man. Yeah, single. Don't don't start unmarrying me before I've even got married. That didn't quite come out right, but you know what I mean. So you're getting married, you're getting married in the next few days or at the weekend, essentially. Yes. The wedding is Saturday. You should know that you are coming, uh, and uh, yeah. So I've got f- what five days left as a single man, as you put it. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't listen to the podcast, does she? Absolutely not. She could not think of anything worse. <laughs> I have to record it when she's out of the house because she doesn't even want to hear it being recorded, let alone hear it back again. Oh my god! Oh dear. Well, I don't know what she knows or what she's going to think about the live episode from the uh, from the middle of the dance floor. It's basically going to be you slurring into your phone, isn't it? Yeah, you'll be, you'll be passed out. And uh... oh yeah, I won't be joining in. <laughs> no, nowhere near a microphone. It. I'm looking forward to it because let's face it, anything to uh, to take away from how Leicester are playing at the moment is uh, is quite welcome. It's, uh, it's just a bit of a shocker, really. What what was our last episode? Everything was going well, roughly well, with a bit of an upturn in form, scoring some goals, obviously conceding goals, but. Uh, since then, Rob, it's just it's everything has has basically come back. The, the the old that never went away, but it's it's now reared its head. It's like like a rash. So basically, at the start of the season, we've had a rash, and it was there, and slowly it's become slight annoying, and it's gone from being not really affecting the person to then actually no, it's taking your mind off things, and now it it went down a bit. The the new ointment worked for a bit, and that's flared up again. But it's always been there. The fact that we haven't uh, we haven't conceded a goal or we haven't not kept a clean sheet. Uh, what's the best way of saying it? We haven't kept a clean sheet since the beginning of the season. That's the right words. It's uh, my mouth words aren't working already. Good start because rant incoming. It's um, it's it's a shocker. It's a shock. I think I think the 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 straw, the last straw has been has been laid on top of that camel, Rob. I think everyone now has reached breaking point, regardless of. Whether you were shouting for things to change, or or not, weeks and weeks ago, or whether you were one of those who are basically, ah, we'll just we're still in every single competition. Let's see how it goes. This that and the other. It's it's 
got to that stage with me now. It can't go on. I think it's had the effect on Brendan Rodgers as well from what he said after the game about changing the entire system and the way that defence set pieces, etc. That's what he said. So I think it's going to happen anyway. We'll find out. But before we launch into what the problems are, what happened at Villa especially, uh, what do you reckon, Rob? With, with the whole scenario. Saying that, it could be a lot worse because at the moment of recording, I'm watching Everton fans leave after the 27th minute when they're drawing nil-nil with Arsenal because it's 27 years since they last won the trophy. So let's get it right. In the great scheme of things, it's not a massive disaster as a football club. It's, you know, everything's still fine in theory, you know, apart from not being able to keep a clean sheet, etc., etc. But in the great scheme of things, the club's still in a very healthy place, etc. It's all fine. But there's, you know, there's there's other clubs out there doing an awful lot worse. But this specific thing, this set-piece problem that we have as a defence, as a whole, or even midfield as well, if you want to throw them in. In fact, the whole side when it comes to defending. Um, Rob, your thoughts before, before I kind of lay down what I think... Um, what I would do, but what I think the problem is. Well, if you know what the problem is, then and the answer to the problem, then you need to be bringing up Brendan Rodgers, not ringing up me and talking on for Fox Eight podcast. Uh, it is frustrating because when we spoke on the podcast last week, we were mildly optimistic, having had a couple of positive results. We sensed that it could be the beginning of a of an upturn in form and an upturn in fortunes for Leicester. And we also said that it really needed to be in order to to gather a bit of momentum going into this December fixture list where it's two games a week, three games a week in places. And it's not, it's just put quite simply, it's not happened, has it? Uh, and, and we said that our minimum expectation from the games against Southampton and Aston Villa would have been four points but there was no real reason why Leicester City should not be aiming for and almost expecting to be able to earn all six points from games like those, regardless of any bounce back from any poor results or new manager syndrome or that kind of thing with with the two respective clubs. Leicester City, after showing a bit of confidence, after getting a couple of positive results and, and turning in some better performances should and could have claimed four if not six points from those fixtures the reality is there was only one point accrued towards the total um in the premier league this season which leaves us firmly marooned in the middle of the park in the middle of the table and yeah contextually we are certainly not in in any real bother and both in terms of where Leicester City have been in the last 15, 20 years, um, the times that you and I have been following them, and also in terms of looking at other clubs around the country, there's no kind of... like It's, it's not an absolute disaster, but right now we are in the middle of quite a prolonged run of poor form and poor results that you could argue, bar the odd game here or there... FA Cup final, that kind of thing, has stretched back to to last season. And I think it's natural as a football fan to be at your wit's end a little bit with it and to be at the end of your tether and to be thinking, well, 
something drastic needs to change because little changes here and there or blaming this thing or blaming that injury or or whatever those those things have come and gone and it's not really got much better if any better so i can understand why and i think leicester fans as football fans go are amongst the most patient in in the country i've got to say because we are well, I certainly feel that that we as a collective, most of us are very grateful for where we came from, very aware of, of, of where the club has been in the past and very grateful to be ex- almost expecting or, or really looking forward to being able to challenge for a top six place. But you also have to understand that we've got very little to feel good about at the moment, despite the fact that we are still in all these competitions the performance level and the individual errors and and the collective errors that are involved in the in the set pieces in particular are just painful to watch they are it's it's gone beyond the joke now i think if if you're a regular listener to fox sake then you've been you've been hearing as mentioning obviously the run of of uh, conceding goals lambasting the performances at the back especially on set pieces but talking about the game as a whole and, and the season as a whole rather than kind of concentrating on that it it has been and I used the the rash analogy earlier someone at work actually was talking about that about their own club and I, well, I'll nick that and um but it really has got to the point now where you've got to go and see your GP that it's <laughs> if I want to carry on that or maybe A&E actually to be perfectly honest um maybe even dropping the layoff but it's uh it's it, it, it's a real problem now. The Villa game was a complete mess. Let's let's get it right. That second goal for Villa was a, a mess, which if you look at a goal being scored in any way, shape, or form, and kind of say, right, this is uh, look at this. We need to do X, Y, and Z. Well, you can turn around and say, well, hang on, are you talking about one goal here? No, no, no. no. This goal is in a nutshell where Leicester have been going wrong all season. It's a, it's a complete disgrace, actually, to be honest. It really is a mess. First of all, the timing of it. It's not in the first five minutes. We haven't been caught cold. It's it's a goal which sums up the problem with Leicester's zonal marking, not zonal marking as a whole, because I, I think they'll still use it in, in part. But the if you haven't seen the goal, obviously it was on TV, but people might not have seen it. Essentially, a cross came in, and to the far side of the six-yard box, you have unmarked the two main dangers of the opposition. At the far side of the six-yard box, in Conser and Mings. Mings was being looked after by Thomas. Now, first of all, that's a joke. Thomas is not looking where the ball is coming from, and Mings is basically swatting him away with one swipe of his arm like a fly, and he's free. Conser has no one near him in the slightest. And by the time the header comes in, Soyun Chu, who was the nearest man, had kind of backtracked and, and half-challenged. In the six-yard box, you've got towards the near post, you've got Johnny Evans, you've got Wilfred Ndidi, you've got Timothy Castagna, and then you've got Soyun Chu just behind them. Obviously, the goalkeeper's there as well. There's no one on the posts. If someone's on the back stick, that goal doesn't go in. So instantly you're looking around going, who has looked around and go, where's the two main guys? Has anyone picked up the two main dangers? No, we've just left them at the back stick. I'll tell you what, we'll just whip it into the back post, bang, header, goal. It's 
It's terrible. It's absolutely terrible. I understand the the concept of zonal marking, and I'm not against it. You know, I'm in this part. You, you cover the whole of the six-yard box penalty area. Everyone's got an area. Anyone comes into that area, you then pick that man up. Great, fine, no problem. But the problem is, if you're then waiting for that player to come into the box, it affects your ability to react. And we've seen that with the sec first goal, with the fact that whenever a ball then breaks loose, it normally goes to an opposition player when it comes to Leicester, mainly because we're waiting in our little area going, right, it's not, oh, it's, it's come up in my area. But the guy's already there and scoring because they're, way, they've got, they're going for the ball. We're not. We're man maintaining our, our presence in our area. Oh, is it, is it me? Or is it after, after you, Claude? Oh, sorry, they've scored. It, it, it doesn't work that way. How they've not picked up the two big men, no idea. Surely your main, I mean, you say defenders, but your strongest and best headers of the ball wouldn't naturally pick up the two big men. And you're looking there at probably Johnny Evans and maybe Kags as well, because you maybe would leave someone like Wilf towards the near side of the penalty area to, to be the, the man to head the ball away, to be the free man or at, towards the near post, that, that main guy to head the ball away. Or even, say, you put Wilf on a player and have Johnny Evans as that person. Um, if you remember, say, back with, say, Robert Huth, yes, he would pick men up, but he would normally be the man just to be slightly forward of the penalty spot to go, right, anything in here, I'm going to head it away. Mainly because, and as we've known for a decade, the goalkeeper doesn't come for the ball. In itself, that's not a major problem because we've been very successful by having that as a system because it's the way he plays. It's a problem when the ball is so deep so deep that he doesn't then react and doesn't go for the ball. That's the problem with Casper now. He's got to the point where even if the ball's anywhere in the six-yard box, he's not going for it. And you get to the point where the first corner for Aston Villa in the first half, two men stood either side of Schmeichel for Aston Villa going, well, this is fine because he's not going to really jump for it. We, we can be that. We can be that player who can stand in front of the goalkeeper. Now, we know we've, we've had all the problems with offsides and also with... Um, uh, interfering with the the line of sight, etc. But play, teams now can just say we're going to fill this six yard box dead easy. First of all, they're not going to mark our main men, and second of all, the goalkeeper is not going to come for it. So it's just a complete free for all. It, it's absolutely terrible. It really is poor. That second goal's a, a disgrace. So what do they do? What are the options? Well, there's there's essentially I think there's about three options. You've got option number one, which is to completely change that the way that we're going to mark from set plays. We go man-to-man, -man, or we have a hybrid system of maybe three or four players patrolling certain areas, the near post area, etc., far post, and then you have the big men picking up the big men, etc. Now, that's probably what I would say is very sensible, and it should be really employed normally. Uh, I don't quite know why it's not. You have a man on the post, necessarily a man on the front post because he can then leave that to head the ball away. Normally someone like Jamie Vardy's on the near post. Used to be Robbie Savage, didn't it, back in the day? And then on the far stick, you have someone stood there. Maybe a Mark Albrighton it used to be, just stood on the far stick. How many goals are scored where it bobbles in the far corner and you're thinking, well, if there's a man on the post there, he just clears off the line. Now, I understand why, because Leicester are a counter-attacking side and they want to break, etc., and... But I do not understand that, especially when you have a goalkeeper not coming for the ball. I don't understand it. Get a man there. The other option is 
You change the formation, you bring in three at the back again, you bring in Vestergaard, you maybe change uh, the full-backs round. You, you change things around until we have a run of games where it clicks. Maybe that's the case. Maybe you bring in the three centre-halves and go, right, we're going to stick men on the post and we're going to have Vestergaard in purely for his height. And we change that. That's an option. It, it, it really is. Um, and then you've got the third option, which has been something that's now highly muted and mentioned. And that's you do something which I have said many times over the years. I thought I'm a big proponent of it, big fan of this. And I think it's a very underestimated move, which a lot of clubs don't do. And there are examples all over the years where it's worked. And there's an example playing right now on TV in the Premier League where it's worked. And that's where instead of changing around the defence and the personnel there, you can change around one player standing behind them and that's the goalkeeper. And it will then bring about a big change in the defence. Arsenal, prime example right now, number one club for doing this. They changed their goalkeeper from a goalkeeper who was, I think, fairly average, but not the worst goalkeeper in Leno. Actually, very Schmeichel-like in the way he actually plays as a goalkeeper. They change him out, and instantly the defence seems more settled. Gabriel now looks a lot more confident, and he's now a very good centre-half, and he's playing really well. It settled Ben White down. They can now employ Tavares as a flying full-back, and I know Tommy Eskew's come in and done OK. But changing the goalkeeper has worked instantly. Every goalkeeper has their own characteristics and, and strong points, etc. I think Manchester United have got a very good goalkeeper in David De Gea. But I think having De Dean Henderson in goal is better for their defence. Is he a better goalkeeper? Well, he's got better qualities in some way, shape or form, maybe not others. But I think he's a better goalkeeper because the defence is more settled with him in goal. And I don't understand why that they, they went back with De Gea, etc. So you look at Leicester. You're talking about the club captain. You're talking about a guy who has been over a decade, legend, etc., etc., and all that. But that's not going to be to any detriment of Schmeichel. If he's replaced in the side, and it maybe is his final year at Leicester, that doesn't take anything away. It doesn't take anything away from his cup final saves or lifting trophies or whatever. It doesn't at all. We're talking about the now, not what's happened in the past even if it's only in May we're talking about. Now, I don't think Schmeichel has had the best season, but by an awful long way, I don't think he has had a bad season. I, I think if you look at mistakes, clangers, it's I, it's struggling really with, with Schmeichel. We know his distribution's been off at, at times because he tries to, to ping it out wide all the time. He's not been as good this season, that's by far, but I don't think he's been so bad he needs dropping because of his own performances I think it's as a defense as a whole the the bringing in and also then you look at who you're going to bring in you're bringing in Danny Ward who's been exceptional for Wales there's your clanger by the way that, that he had for Wales that was a real clanger but would he come in and arrest the slide of not being able to keep a clean sheet which is now quite frankly laughable in the Premier League with Leicester possibly and if they want to go down that route and do it, then there you go. That's fine. Am I standing here right now, or sitting, saying I would drop Schmeichel and play Danny Ward? Um, I probably, and on my little jog I had before this, I was trying to weigh it up, and I'm massively 50-50. I'm probably 
going to come down on the side of no, I would keep Schmeichel and I would maybe try and bring in Vestergaard. We know his limitations and his poor performances, but I would bring him in and I would play him alongside Johnny Evans. I would drop Soyuncu and I would then have them man-mark and do what I said with the man on the post and the rest zone, all but pick up the men. Change that. That's what I would do. Um, and then if it doesn't happen, and if it doesn't work, and maybe Vestergaard is still dead shaky, etc., even though he's his Danish teammate and captain and all that, I would then look at changing the goalkeeper without it being mainly Schmeichel's fault. But we cannot carry on as it's going because it's it's laughable now and i think by what rogers has said that he he agrees and he's now right we, we've worked on this on the training ground because they have people say oh what are they doing in training of course they have but it's now got to the point where it's laughable that that villa was just terrible on the back of southampton game which again was was just so noticeable how they were targeting leicester in that way so they're the three options i would still go with the change the way that they defend corners, pick up men, maybe to the complete lack of breaking away or trying to counter-attack, maybe try that, bring people back onto the post, etc., and sacrifice that area of the game. But that's what I would do right now. If it carries on, Schmeichel, for me, would have to change because I'm a big proponent of changing the goalkeeper to then change the fortunes of the outfield defence. You've just been for a run and you've just had that rant. Do you need a breather? No, no, no. It's, uh... <laughs> I'll, get, I'll give you a breather. Uh, there's, you missed the fourth option, by the way. You've gone through three very detailed options there. The fourth one is stop conceding corners. Um, but obviously that's that's not going to happen, is it? They've all got their merits. Of course they have. And it will be very interesting to see over the coming couple of games what Brendan Rodgers would define as a major shake-up because it will be it will be interesting actually wouldn't it what 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 does he mean because they're, they're words they're, they're actually quite strong words yeah so... they are and they've obviously as you've just said they're obviously working on it on the training ground because he's he's up there as one of the one of those elite managers that you know some people would put him in the world-class bracket we're not elite managers or world-class managers, quite clearly, and we can see that there's a problem. Thousands of Leicester City fans can see that there's a problem. So, of course, they will have been working on it on the training ground. And obviously, the the minor tweaks that they're making are, are clearly not working. So, it may need that complete reset where everybody then is so focused on, on essentially a brand new job or a brand new way of defending the set pieces so that they then forget that they're actually terrible at it and they actually have attacked the ball with some positivity. I think there's, there's attitude be... as well, Rob. Actually, sorry, just to jump in. I've, yeah. I've just we've got the football on at the moment. I think Everton had a goal disallowed, but the ball's just been played over the top. And Gabriel, I'll just mention him again. He's just ran towards the corner flag, and he's turned, and about two players have, have congregated on him. Now he looked at playing it back to probably the goalkeeper who is best with his feet in Ramsdale. But he decided to actually go route one down the line and it kind of ran forward and, and, and Everton then picked it up towards their own penalty area. But he's cleared his lines. Now, I know everyone kind of gets on the back of players when that doesn't work out, when they try and pass it down the line or, sorry, when they try and pass it back along their bat line and, you know, mess around with it, as people would say. If it doesn't work out, people go mad. But then they forget about the 
the 95% of the time where it does work for the whole 90 minutes. You know, it's quite convenient that way. But maybe just a bit of attitude change to go, actually, clear your lines first. Maybe that's the case of, instead of, look what Mendy did for uh, in goal for Chelsea. Why the hell he didn't put his foot through it? I have no idea. And just clear the ball instead of giving away the penalty. Maybe just a, an attitude change of, just go clear your lines first. Forget what we've been doing very successfully. Let's change that because it's not working at the current time. Well, at the risk of sounding very, very old, modern day defenders don't really do as much defending or don't really seem to want to do as much defending as the likes of Matt Elliott, Jerry Taggart, Steve Walsh, who who have all been names that have been churned up on social media this weekend. I saw some posts saying, get, get Steve Walsh on the coaching staff. He'll sort out defending set pieces now. I'm fairly sure Steve Walsh's coaching career um, spans sort of eight to nine year olds, maybe maybe up to under fourteens. I don't know, but you know, I, I see what they're where they're coming from because historically, Leicester City and previous captains and icons of the club, like Walsh, like Elliot, first and foremost, have been big, solid defenders whose job was to get the ball as far away from their goal as possible. I, I accept that the game has evolved since then. I do because those two um, were in a kind of in in their prime what twenty years ago, let's say. So yes, of course there is a, there is a difference now in terms of the way, and and I'm fine with teams playing out the back to a certain, uh, out from the back to a certain extent. But I think you know, and I'm not necessarily saying this is the case, but managers at Leicester, but managers tend to go now would look at a defender as an all-round package, as if to say, you know, yeah, he's brilliant at heading balls away and he's brilliant at at 50-50s and putting his body on the line for blocks, but he can also, but he has to be able to play football and if he can't do that, we're not signing him. And I don't think that we, as a defensive unit or as a team in general, are aggressive enough in our own penalty area because you can play whatever marking system you like. But if you have a genuine desire to get to that ball before your opponent, then most of the time you should because you are defending your own penalty area. You know that if if the opponent makes the first contact, it's very likely to lead to a, a goal scoring opportunity, if not a goal. And that's happened 10 times this season against Leicester City. It's, it, it's quite clearly that they are playing within themselves and that's because they're lacking the confidence. And if that's because they're lacking the confidence in the defensive system that they're being asked to implement by Brendan Rodgers, then he is absolutely right in saying we need a major shake-up and you've got to say, right, this is how we're going to do it now. You stand there. You do a job on this fella. The, looking at the Villa the Villa one as the, as the latest of an absolute line of defensive travesties and... The first thing that anybody does on any football pitch, I've said it before on this podcast, I'm a very, very amateur centre-back. I have never played to any reasonable level whatsoever. But I know as soon as that ball goes out for the first corner of the game, and I've never been able to do research on the other team, I've got no idea who's going to turn up not hungover on a Saturday morning for the opposition. I know when that ball goes behind, for the, uh, when we've conceded our first corner of the game, my first thought is, right, are there centre-backs coming in? Because your centre-backs are your biggest players, they're your best headers of the ball, 
And usually, even though I'm only six foot two, which in the grand scheme of things on a football pitch is not massive, usually I have to pick up the biggest man because I'm the biggest player on our team. And I know that. And everybody looks at me, Rob, you've got the big man. And I'm like, yeah, cheers. He's about four or five inches taller than me. Normally about five or six stone heavier. And I'm looking going, how on earth am I going to beat him? But I know that my job is to do whatever I can to stop him making any kind of contact on the ball. Or if he does manage to make the contact on the ball, I've got to make it as difficult as possible for him to be able to get anything goal bound or anything that's going to cause us a problem. And... Yes, we don't. Um, the team I play for, we don't even train. So we've got no time ever to practice defending set pieces. So we have to go man for man. That's it. Leicester have got the luxury of spending day in, day out on a world-class training facility. They've got the benefit of video footage of upcoming opponents and how they tend to play set pieces. They could bring in however many set piece and defensive coaches they wanted to to, to rectify this. Because at the moment, it is destroying our Premier League season. I read something earlier um, before coming on the podcast that Leicester City have, if it, depending on which, um, if you take it down to, to the average number of goals conceded by teams across the Premier League in set-pieces situations this season, if you brought Leicester down to the average level, depending on which set-piece conceded goals you take out of the Leicester's fixtures, that could earn Leicester between four and ten more points. Somewhere between four and ten points. Ten points. Ten points would put us in the top four. That and that's it. There's your example of it being everything's it's not as as crazy bad as a number of other clubs. It's just this is the one huge thing this season which has completely handicapped our season. It's amazing. How how they can how they have not kept a clean sheet since the first game. I mean, you'd expect Norwich to have a better record than that. They have, I think. One more thing I'll say on the goalkeeping front, because I totally see what you're saying, especially topical with it being Arsenal-Everton tonight and, and the huge impact that Ramsdale's had. Um, it's easier for Arsenal to drop Leno than it is for Leicester to drop Schmeichel, absolutely. No player should be undroppable, but he's basically as close as you're going to get to being undroppable. But when you... Uh, and. nothing's really been solely his fault this season. But another um, little stat that I saw this um, just in preparation for the podcast was that he, Schmeichel is bottom of the Premier League goalkeepers table this season in terms of the number of saves he's made versus the number of saves he would be expected to make. You know, it's a kind of percentage on, uh, and it's worked out on the difficulty of the chance for the striker. His save expectation percentage is the lowest in the entire Premier League. Now, I'm I'm not sitting here saying he's questioning him and saying, like, let's oust him as number one. He's the club captain. And I think the thing that you would lose with Schmeichel if you took him off the pitch in comparison to, say, someone like Bernd Leno, because that's that's the, the most positive example, like you said, Pete, of, of, of this working. You lose more with Schmeichel, I think, than you did with Leno in terms of the fact that Schmeichel has an authority. He is the club captain. You, we, we know anybody that's ever watched him play knows how vocal he is, knows how high his expectations are of himself and of the players around him. You would have to be absolutely, supremely confident if you were Brendan Rodgers that changing Schmeichel for Danny Ward would, one, have a positive impact on 
on the defensive unit in terms of a, of a, of a team, but also, too, would not lose you that much quality in terms of the individual goalkeeper um that 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 those kind of mistakes that he that Danny Ward did make the one um where he basically mi- miscontrolled the ball kicked it off the post onto his own thigh and into the goal it was absolute calamity of a goal you've got to be absolutely sure that that's not going to rear its head again because not only does that put Danny Ward under an immense amount of pressure it puts Brendan Rodgers under an immense amount of pressure now if he dropped Schmeichel for those reasons, he would have to have terrifically large testicles, would you not say, to, to make that decision? Yeah, I, I thought you were going to say, um, if he dropped Schmeichel, there's a there's a number of reasons where you could say, is it because maybe he's, he's had all of last season, he's had the end of last season and the cup final win, then the big disappointment about the league, then he's had the Euros... And you all know what happened with Denmark, how far they went, the events during that, etc. And then he's gone straight into Leicester's season. So he could actually need a rest. He could need to switch off mentally. Do you know what I mean? He could actually need that time. Um, He would never say that, obviously. He would need to know, and I'm talking about Rodgers now, Rodgers would need to know that if he does drop Schmeichel, and first of all, everyone knows that, anyone can be dropped because if they're not playing very well they should be dropped but and no man is bigger than the club la di da di da we all know that but you're talking about Cashrus Michael Schmeichel uh, Rogers would need to know that if he does drop him that Schmeichel's not going to kick up a stink he's not going to be disruptive now you don't think he would be but I'm talking about the sly words here and there I'm not happy with this Jamie Ah, uh, you know what? What do you reckon about this? This ain't right. Maybe then arching for a possible. Oh, look at my age. Maybe I, I maybe look elsewhere, etc. Who knows? But he needs to know that doing that will not upset the apple cart because I don't think there's a. I think the the, the squad's absolutely fine. I think they're playing for they're playing for the manager. They're playing for the club. There's no such problems there. Fully enough, I know going back to the game now, but the first big tackle for Everton was a huge cheer. Well, you, that's not the case at Leicester because it's not the effort is being questioned. It's it, it's it's about the, this huge problem with, with set pieces and balls into the box. So, yeah, I, I think Rodgers, if he goes down that route, I think he's brave enough to. I don't think there's a problem there. And I think he would do it. I don't think he would shy away. But if he does do it, he needs to, he needs to be... Schmeichel needs to be 100% behind the idea. He'll always want to play. He'll always be upset, as every player would be. But there needs to be kind of an agreement that it's maybe not because of his form personally. It might just be that he needs a bit of time off. And also, it might just be, do you know what? We're going to go down this change of system. We're going to go down this route. And unfortunately, you're being sacrificed. And it doesn't matter who you are. That's the route that we're going down. Let's just say we had a problem at the other end of the field. There's nothing wrong with Jamie Vardy's performances, but because of a change of system, we're going to go down this route, and it means that Vardy doesn't play. Let's say that was the case. Now, I know that's a, a bit of an exception, but again, these things happen in football. Um, it might be that we are at the end times of 
Kasper Schmeichel's career at Leicester. It might be that this is the final year where he goes, do you know what, I'm going to play my last few years of football wherever, um, in Europe, say, because I don't think it would be a, another Premier League side. Maybe that's the case. Maybe this is the, the point where we look back in a year's time and go, yeah, it, it, when they made the change, that was that was kind of it with Schmeichel. Who knows? But I think if Rodgers wanted to, I think he'd do it. I think he would. Um, I don't think that would be the case for the game against Napoli because I don't think that would be the actual match regarding the opposition where it really... I'd say any changes would come into play. Obviously, if you're going to go slightly more man-to-man, etc., you can do that. But um, it's not necessarily the game that's needed. I think you're looking more towards the Premier League. Um, but yeah, I, I think he would do it. Shall we have a look on social media what some of the listeners yes. thought? Because you, you put that out. I've got the Facebook ones up, Pete. If, if I go oh, through these good. and you load up the Twitter. I've got the Twitter ones on literally in front of me right now. So that's Of course cool. you have. Uh, if I start on Facebook, then Tom says, give Danny Ward a start. We've just uh, just given that a good old uh, chewing over. So so um, we, you're not the only one that thinks that that could be a possibility, Tom. Joe Healy said, uh, very sarcastically, start playing with some defenders and a goalkeeper. And we've kind of touched upon what the prime role of a defender actually is, and that is to defend your box as if your life depends on it. Uh, Ron Adams has said, "Get rid of the zonal marking and man marking. Uh, 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 get rid of the zonal marking and man mark instead. I think um, uh, try looking behind you at set pieces. Yeah, I mean, Sunchu's not glanced behind him once and realised that Consa's just ambling in at the back post, has he? Uh, and Ali Hall has put in a screenshot of that moment where Luke Thomas, Johnny Evans, and Timothy Castagna are bear hugging each other, and there's not an Aston Villa player within two yards of them in a penalty area as a set piece is coming in." So uh, lots of echoes of what we've just said in the opening 36 and a half minute rant on the podcast. And I'm presuming Twitter's not much different, Pete. Yeah, it has been very ranty, hasn't it? But that this is the podcast for it. Um, uh, on to Twitter, uh, we've got Ian Hutchinson said, get Elliot and Tags down the training ground now. You mentioned that along with Waller, along with Walshian. Now, without being funny, Rob, you mentioned that, and I kind of chuckled, and then I went, actually, do you know what? It might be the case that bringing them three down and going to, I know you're going to go up to Johnny Evans and go, right, do you know what you've been doing wrong for all of your career? <laughs> but getting them down, in, in, a, in a kind of having a bit of a laugh term, but it's not necessarily the stupidest idea to actually not maybe get them down to the training ground, but to show kind of old school kind of, this is the way you can clear your lines this is picking up men you mentioned actually about the the video facilities and all that i mean talk about video nasty the game at the against villa they're going to be watching that this week going what are we doing hopefully they are because it's a complete mess and maybe just a few old school mentality changes is is what they need a center half and as a defense so maybe getting people like that to say right this is what we did we picked up the big men Guess what? It worked. Or it worked more times than it's currently going. Because end of the day, you are going to concede the odd goal. Let's get it wrong. But uh, anyway, scrap zone on go man-to-man, says Ben Melbourne. So that's, uh, again, what we've mentioned already. Andrew Norwood, hire a coach to work specifically on a set piece on the grounds. Uh, pathetic uh, to dread a defensive set piece. Well, it is. They get a corner or a free kick near the penalty area. Oh, dear. 
and the, and the, and the murmur goes around, doesn't it? The king power. Well, it's um, not just a murmur. You're actually thinking goal. Here we go. Yeah. You're thinking even if we've had a good half an hour of the game here, their first corner of the game, you're thinking, uh oh, we could be a goal down. It's it is quite pathetic. Now I've I've said what I would do, and that's. I would bring in the man-to-man marking for the main men in the penalty area, the centre-halves, and I would also have at least a man on the back post, easily, easily on the back post. I can't understand why. And I would also change the mentality of, do you know what, let's get rid of the ball first, and then maybe even to the detriment of obviously losing possession, but let's clear our lines first, let's clear our third of the field, and push up and then try and win the ball back etc maybe having the forward three looking at trying to pick the ball up maybe they stay forward if we go kind of route one long from the back but change of mentality a change of actually picking the big men up and then having that man on the back post that's what I would do also I'll bring Investigard as well I know he's been poor since he's been at Leicester but I would drop Soyuncu um, because this is more important really, because this is costing us now. This really is. So that's what I would do. Um, Bit of a change of personnel, but obviously the mentality and and the man-to-man. What would you do, Rob? Well, I think your issue with Vestergaard is the same one that I I highlighted with Danny Ward, is you are bringing in a player that you know is not as good as Suunchu just because he's tall, uh, and therefore if he drops a clangor or he makes a mistake not from a set piece and you concede a goal, then instantly it's, oh, you shouldn't have dropped uh, Suntru for Vestergaard. So you're kind of playing with fire a little bit with a change like that. I I think it really has to be completely stripped back and go so, so basic that it is you, Mark, this bloke, and that is that. And you look around and you know that everybody, as that ball's about to come in, you know that everybody is touch tight to their man. Because the second that you go zonal is the second that anybody can move anywhere in the prem- in the penalty area and you have got no idea where they are. We talked the other week about how static zonal defending is and that's one of the problems with it. But ultimately, if you have to wrestle him, if you have to grab hold of a little bit of the shirt or if you have to, you have to win a physical battle, man for man, do your job. And ultimately, you've got to back each other to be able to do your own job against your own man. They are quite clear in their role in these set pieces. I'm absolutely certain of it because, you know, those like those plastic wallets that they flick through before they come on as a sub that's mainly set pieces. That's you're coming on for this fella. His job at the set piece was that. So change that to you're coming on for this fella his man at the set piece was this man that is now your man if he gets the first contact or he's responsible for scoring or assisting a goal from a set piece that is your fault individual accountability has to be there now because it's quite clear that collective accountability they don't I'm not saying they don't care but it's not enough of a motivation for them to say I am going to get rid of this ball if you say Johnny Evans that's your man, you beat him to the ball. Regardless of whether it's two or three players on the way through, you must always be goal side of him. You must win the ball. If Soyuncu is man-marking um, Konsa, then 
he doesn't lose him two, three yards behind him on the far post. He shouldn't. And if he does, you absolutely give him hell for it. And you say, look, you have got one simple job. Forget about, not forget about the ball, but your first job is to remain physically in contact with your man at all times. That's, that's, it's so basic. It's stuff that you teach 11, 12 year olds when they first start playing 11 aside. So if, if the, this is clearly a massive problem, the clever ways of zonal marking and not having men on the post, load of rubbish. If you need, if they put enough players in the box that you need all 11 players back in your box, you do it. You do whatever you need to, to not concede a goal because we are clearly, clearly struggling in that area and we haven't clicked into gear enough times this season to be able to go up the other end and outscore a team and win 4-3. Those are rare occasions. And when they were, when they did happen, we said, oh, flipping heck, well, we got the result, but we still conceded X amount of goals. Keep the ball out of your goal at all costs and make individuals accountable. Yep. You look at the way that um, Manchester United, for example, they changed the way that they played at the weekends to be very solid to be very careful. Everyone knew their role, knew their job. And it took a long time, obviously, for the goal to come. But it was very obvious that they were told specific instructions, right, this is this is the way we're going to go, very solid and secure. Leicester are not in that position to be trying to do that to maybe get a top four position. But they need to be doing, they should have been doing this anyway, I believe, maybe changing the way that they play before this to... To, to solidify, to go, right, do you know what? We're going to sacrifice X, Y, and Z of our attacking play because we're going to be so secure at the back and in midfield today in this away game at Southampton, for example. Now, I know you can concede at any point from you know a good free kick into the penalty area or whatever, but um, it, it's, it's just become a complete joke. Now, I mentioned Vestergaard. Quite why or what he's been doing in training. We know he has been fairly poor when he's been playing, but then for him not to have played since is a real question mark. Because when you have the record Leicester have had, I'm just amazed he's not been given a, a another chance in defence. Um, because of his height. Now you go back and you go, well, he shouldn't lose any headers, really. Well, he shouldn't. Should he be the man to pick up one of the players on, say, a set piece or from a corner? Well, instantly I would say no, because you would, if you go, again, you go back to, say, Robert Huth. Huth was there. Now, if someone was next to him, right, he grabs him. He's the man. But he's the man who would head the ball away from the centre of the penalty area and everything's fine. He would be the man who goes for the ball. And the rest of the players are picked up by other players. You've got a player like him. You've got a player like Vestergaard. It's really simple. Free kicks are different. Again, he would pick up... If you've got especially a main target for the opposition, well, you might have... Um, trying to think off the top of my head, a player who's a very obvious target for a Premier League side. Let's just say Everton. They've got Yerry Mina, who's gone off injured. But anyway, Yerry is a very, very tall individual. Centre-half. He comes forward. He's going to be the man who he would need to pick up purely on height. Okay? But away from that... He should be the man to go, right, anything in a radius of about five yards all around me, I'm going to win that header. And away from that, every every other player is being man-marked. So if it doesn't go near me or in that area, 
then it will be hopefully won by a Leicester player, or at least it's being battled for by a Leicester player. Anywhere in that area, I am so tall that I am going to win that header. And that's what happened with Robert Huth and Wes Morgan as well, who was behind Huth, who covered it just in case it went over. Oh, it's gone over his head. Guess what? Behind him, you've got a really good header of the ball. It's very, very simple. But at the moment, it's just not happening. And what you said about Soyuncu, and he's, he's a better player than Vestergaard, he is. But he's not playing very well either. His confidence since well, this season, actually, since the Euros, is is shot. I think he's been I think he's been okay. I know he's made mistakes, but I think he's been okay. But again, we're going back to basics here. We're going back to Leicester conceding from set plays and it's now laughable. So do you have to drop Soyun Shu to bring in Vestergaard? For me you do. Because it's again all about this. You lose in other areas and Vestergaard's performances haven't been very good. Doesn't matter. You change this. You've got to do something because at the moment we're going nowhere. We're not going down. We're not getting in Europe. We are bang mid-table. That game on Sunday was two mid-table Premier League sides. Aston Villa, we are we are no doubt about it. We are a better team than Aston Villa. But Villa are playing at 100% for their manager. They're playing, they're playing well at the moment. But Leicester should have won that game. We created chances. They had, I mean, look at the amount of chances in the first half that came out to say Madison at the edge of the area or say Dewsbury Hall and their shots were blocked. Great defending. There's your example of 100%. Great blocks. Um, the ball didn't quite run for us in that half as well. Uh, not very good to concede straight away after scoring, but we've done that to teams this season. But there's, uh, there's no, it wasn't like we were completely turned over by Villa. We're a better team, but Villa are playing at 100% because they've got a new manager in who's really got them going, etc, etc. At the moment, with Leicester, it's again, set plays. Without those mistakes from set plays, we'd have won that game. If, if we're 1-0 up and they start pressing, pressing, we'd have caught them, no problem on the counter. Dacker and Barnes were playing really well. Luckman didn't have a very good game, which was a real shame. He's slightly gone off the boil, hasn't he? But... Yeah, that that that's really an it's to sum it up. It's not a huge problem. That one player, one person that we've not mentioned really when it comes to to changes is again the manager. I've got no problem with Brendan Rodgers at all. I absolutely zero want him to leave or anything like that. Not a chance. Not yet. <laughs> but at the moment, that's not even coming into the mind. It's all about the players and about the system, etc. Now, if things carry on like this, then that will naturally be the conversation. But it's just about trying to keep a bloody clean sheet. <laughs> well do you um do you agree, Rob, with with the um with with the Rogers factor? Nothing not, not really to go on about it because I, I think it's really kind of a only a few words, isn't it? But yeah, for me there's just it just doesn't really enter the conversation. No, not at all. We've we've been so pleased with how he's managed the football club over the last couple of years. He's identified, just like we have, where the issues are. And ultimately, he needs to be given the opportunity to put it right. He's held his hands up. He's said it's not right. We're going to make it right. If if we're still having this conversation as we get closer to Christmas or into January and we're still and nothing's changed there, then if you're top, you're looking at it and you're going, well, this bloke is employed to win football matches 
and he can't stop the things happening that are losing us football matches. So if he's proven that he can't do that, then it's basic competence in your job, and you look, you maybe you look elsewhere, or I don't know, I don't know, <laughs> don't know really what you do in terms of if, if you offer him, kind of nudge him towards bringing in what like one of the listeners suggested, more of a kind of set piece specialist coach. I don't know. I'm certainly not in the Rogers out camp yet. I, I think there were spells of performance against Southampton and Villa that were that were positive. Second half against Southampton was good. I thought Samari was pants in the first half and I thought it was a good decision by Rodgers to bring Dewsbury Hall in. I think he was very, very positive against Southampton. Deserved his start against Aston Villa. Kept trying to make things happen. Kept trying to be positive. Was busy in centre mid. Um, faded a bit, but you would expect that from a lad that's not actually played a huge amount of Premier League football in his career, albeit he is 23. So he was a positive to draw from it. I think the first half performance by and large against Villa was a good one. And look, it comes back to that stat that I was saying earlier about the fact that Leicester City could have earned at least four, a minimum of four, a maximum of 10 more points this season if the set-piece concession had been not completely eradicated, just down to the average level of goals conceded by set uh, from set-pieces across the Premier League. And we'd be sat here having a different conversation because Leicester would be at least top six, you would imagine. And you'd be saying, yeah, we're playing well in patches. And you'd almost be excited about the fact that there was still more to come from Leicester or that we'd got in ourselves into that position with um, the injuries that we've had and 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 the kind of condensed fixture list that we've had with Europe, etc., and you'd be you'd be on on the optimism side, but at the moment we're pessimistic because this is a major issue, and and Brendan Rodgers for me has to put it right sooner rather than later. Otherwise, there will be the the Brendan Rodgers out calls will be louder and louder and louder, and they'll start reaching upstairs uh, when they realise that that halfway through the season. Which which it will be post Christmas that we're in danger of not doing anything this year. Yeah, and a lot of this season rests on what happens on Thursday. First of all, very exciting, isn't it? You know, you've got Napoli away in Europe, huge game, Leicester top of the league by a point from Moscow and Napoli. Legia then a further point behind. All options on the table, finishing first, second, and third for Leicester. It's going to be incredibly difficult. They're, they're, they're a very up-and-down side. Uh, ooh, Everton had a goal disallowed. They're not going to be very happy. Um, it's they're, they're a very up-and-down side, Napoli. I watched them uh, play against Atalanta. A very exciting game. Uh, just really how, how it probably should have gone with just goals going in at either end. And uh, They are get-at-able, aren't they, Napoli? They're, they are not the Napoli of a few years ago. It's going to be a difficult place to go naturally, but... I think in Europe they've shown that they are susceptible to concede goals. In in Syria they've shown that as well, and I'm more confident now than I was at immediately after the previous game in Europe. Then I was thinking, well, more than likely we'll lose at Napoli and we'll finish third in the table. That's still, I think, arguably probably the favourite option really out of all that could possibly happen. But I'm now slightly more confident. Uh, we know that Vardy's probably going to start because he was obviously rested against Villa. But I know that we can score. And I also know that if we do score, 
Napoli need to win the game because if we there was a chance that they will obviously then finish third, won't they? Um, they won't finish. Uh, well, actually, thinking about it, they could finish bottom because if Legia win, then Napoli will then be out of Europe. They'll finish bottom of the league, and if obviously Leicester beat Napoli, so they've got the option of obviously finishing last. Now, <clears throat> so if Le if Leicester score first, Napoli will have to then go ultra-attack, and then that will obviously suit Leicester on the counter. So it could be a, an incredibly exciting game. I think it will be, um, and I think Leicester will score. I think Leicester will play their their ideal side, their, their perceived first team. I think some of the changes that have been muted or mentioned by Rodgers, I, I, again, it might not happen for this game. It might be for the next one in the Premier League, but we'll, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, who knows? Danny Ward could be running out as, as Leicester's number one. Very difficult to kind of predict. Um, but I'm going to go with Leicester. I, I think it's going to be a, a night of drama. I think there's going to be changes left, right and centre. It's going to be one of those where you're going to have the table in front of you or in the bottom corner of the screen flashing up all the time, changing left, right and centre. I think there's going to be not only drama in Napoli, but I think... Also, in the other game, remember Ledger at home to Spartak. So, that's going to be incredibly exciting and entertaining. So, I, it, I'm not really going to kind of predict what I think is going to happen. I just think there's going to be goals. I think it's going to be all-out goals at both games. I can't see it being nil-nil. I think it's going to be a 3-2, late goals. Who knows? But I think just just goals and drama, and let's enjoy it, because again, it's European football, we know we're going to finish third, even if it gets stuffed 7-0, it's going to be third place, regardless of what happens uh, in the other game. So, I think it's just a case of enjoying the night, maybe forgetting about what's happened in the Premier League in the last couple of games, and the, and the comp, and again, a lot of people kind of overreact um, when it comes to football and, and individual mistakes and games, etc. But I, I will maintain the the defending for the Villa goals. I mean, the, the first goal was, again, the reaction from the defenders was poor. Uh, again, all statues in their own little zonal mark. I've got a, a rug in front of me. Looking at this rug, that's probably, I don't know, a yard and a half by just over a yard and a half kind of square. So just over a metre, whatever. It's like, right, this is my area. And then they're waiting for the ball to arrive to them and all, oh, it's, it's gone in. We know about the Schmeichel hand on top of the ball and all that sort of thing. Well, that's the officials. That's up to them to decide. Um, there you go. But the the second goal was just a, a complete farce. A, and a real disgrace, to be honest. A, a real disgrace. Uh, so forget about that. Enjoy the football, the European football. And let's see what happens. And hopefully... Leicester come out on top. Hopefully Vardy scores a late winner to send us through as group winners. Wouldn't that be good? Wouldn't that be a nice boost for then the changes at the back for the next game in the Premier League? Oh, the Napoli fans would absolutely hate it, wouldn't they? They would be giving him some serious stick. They, The, the Napoli ultras are, are a very uh, vociferous group of people. I was going to say and, vociferous. Yeah, and... And they would love having a pop at Vardy, and Vardy would absolutely love scoring a late winner in Naples, wouldn't he? That would be amazing. 
it's going to be a game that's going to be great to watch and horrible to watch at exactly the same time because as the Premier League season threatens to peter out and, and result in nothing, I think this game has... I'm not saying the Premier League is is done and dusted and, and that we're stuck in mid-table forever, but it's certainly starting to look that way. But this that, that means that this game takes on added importance because... Uh, it represents a real opportunity to to keep some kind of I don't want to say interest in the season because I'm not losing interest at the moment and we are only in December there's a long way to go but it does it means that you're in the hat for the knockouts after Christmas and and it gives you something to look forward to in the new year and also it's it's the games that we've said time and time again the benefits of being in the Europa League the, the, the kind of big games, the games that mean something that uh, that are really going to be entertaining to watch. It might be entertaining as a, as a spectacle in terms of great football, fast-flowing, counter-attacking, loads of goals. It might be entertaining to watch because it might be one that's quite tense, full of um, full of possible mistakes and, and jitters, and, and that could be where the goals come from. Either way, it's, go, you're not, it's going to be one of those that you're not going to want to take your eyes off of, and, that, and that's that's uh, something that we should continue to be grateful for is the the fact that we're playing in European football, we're playing against a big team like Napoli away with a lot, a lot riding on the game. And how many times have we spoken this season about it presenting an opportunity away from the Premier League for the players to prove a few of their doubters wrong? And it, would, it wouldn't get rid of uh, the, any of the the negativity or the disappointment surrounding the last few games or the the form generally but it would give us something to celebrate being beating napoli winning our europa league group after a very steady start shall we say sluggish start and um and, and knowing that you're in the knockouts of the europa league and something to look forward to i think we could all do with something to look forward to couldn't we as leicester fans at the minute I think it will be it will be exceptional if they win the group. If they win in Napoli and win the group, let's face it, if they draw in Napoli and still win the group, it will be a great success and a very up and down campaign. But then again, that's what it's been in the Premier League. And then they go into the next round of Premier League games: Newcastle at home, Tottenham at home, Everton away. Three eminently winnable games, and who knows? It could kickstart the season, which we mentioned two and a half weeks ago, which we thought it was. And then we've had the two games against Southampton and uh, and uh, Villa. But um, And then, of course, you've got the, the EFL Cup away at Liverpool against what will be a very weakened Liverpool because that's what they do in that trophy. So, again, another game which Leicester could win and then be in the semi-finals. So don't be disheartened. I, we, I think we've needed this kind of rant of a podcast because maybe we've been slightly slightly too easy on them possibly but I mentioned the straw that broke the camel's back it really was wasn't it so as much as it's been very annoying and a huge kind of um, crosshair has been on that defence and the goalkeeper and the system etc at the back yeah don't forget about Jewsbury Hall what a great well, what, a, what a, a very competent Premier League first start from the Shepshire Pele it was it was exciting. It was 
very nearly, he should have, maybe should have got a penalty, but, you know, possibility of a goal here and there, you know, again, the good blocks, but I, I thought it was a, a, a good, very good performance. Um, and one that he can really build on now. Um, interesting, really, because obviously Samare, he's, he's, you know, out, out of the side for, for that game and uh, maybe just needed a, a little bit of a break, played an awful lot of football. Um, I think Leicester really have missed maybe a combative midfielder, someone like Dennis Pratt would have actually been uh, a really good uh, a player for Leicester in this current run. But uh, but anyway, that's a different story. So, uh, yeah, there, there's highlights. I thought, again, Dakar played well. Uh, Barnes took his goal really, really well, looked good. So, again, there's 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 a lot to, you know, to, to look forward to. But that defence, my word, oh dear. Anyway, Newcastle at the weekend. Um obviously away from the Napoli game. We all know the, the rigmarole by now. Uh, at home to Newcastle, it's got to be a game you've got to be looking for three points. I know they got their win against um, uh, whoever at the weekend. Um, was it Burnley? Uh, so, yeah, they're often running under under anyhow. But it's a game where you've got to be fancy in Leicester at home. The problem is, of course, if they do lose in Napoli, maybe fairly heavily, say, then that there'll be an awful lot of pressure then on that game because then you play Tottenham at home on the 16th and then you travel to Everton only a few days later. So as much as saying there's a nice run of fixtures, it can look quite awkward if they do lose in Napoli and then maybe get turned over by uh, a revived Newcastle. But uh, it's awkward to kind of pinpoint how they can approach that game. I think it's a case of you got to fancy Leicester, but it will be really interesting to see how, what kind of system, formation, personnel that they implement for that game and also for Napoli with what Roger said at the end of the game. I think ultimately the thing you've got to do against Newcastle is you've got to go and believe that you can win that game because Newcastle, yes, they beat Burnley. Uh, first win of the season, Eddie Howe coming in and, and changing a few things up. And But the thing with Newcastle is they've they've got mistakes in them they still, after one win, are not all of a sudden going to have a huge amount of self-belief yet. So Leicester, regardless of the situation that's happened in the Premier League recently with Southampton and, and Villa only getting a point from those two games, regardless of what happens on Thursday against Napoli, Leicester have got to play against Newcastle as if they are the dominant side, as if they are going to win. And, and I think attitude alone will win that game because Newcastle are... They haven't stopped trying. They have. They've been. They've been working hard, but under Steve Bruce, they were basically playing five four one, which is an absolute nightmare if you're a Newcastle fan. Because you know, yes, they're they're perhaps not as big, not as big a club, or not as um, self entitled, not as entitled as their self entitlement would suggest they are. They they think that they have a divine right to be top four when really history suggests otherwise. But they at least want to see some kind of attempt to win a football match or exciting football. They didn't have that under Steve Bruce, really, for various reasons. But they've got mistakes in them individually, just like you said against uh, about Leicester Villa, just like we've said about Leicester Southampton. Individually, Leicester are a better side. No, no question for me. Yes, Newcastle have got the odd individual who you would probably swap in. I would certainly swap St. Maximan in for Adam Ola-Luckman. But... On the whole, Leicester City are a much better side individually, but they've got to be able to do that collectively. And I'm not just talking about 
looking after your mates and defending set pieces, I'm talking about all over the pitch, you've got to win your battles, you've got to want it more than them. And if you do, your quality will shine through. If you don't, and you've always got the kind of set piece gremlin looming over your shoulder, then you've got every chance of losing the game. And if you look at that, that would be three um, Premier League games against Southampton, Villa and Newcastle, three teams who are, I think, quite likely to finish in the bottom half of the table this season, you'd be looking at that and thinking, well, what are our aspirations for the season after a run of three results like that? It's got They've got to drag some belief from somewhere. Uh, and if that involves putting on somebody like Mark Brighton, who will always give you 100% every game, no questions asked, if it involves starting Dewsbury Hall because he's got a point to prove uh, and Samari's kind of looking a bit too casual in centre mid, then you start him again. If it involves Ian Acho being knocking at the door for, for a few games and not really getting much of a look in, if it involves putting him in the team to show what he can do, fine. You've got to put 11 players out there that want to win that football match and, and I think that's that's really all we can say because from a tactical point of view, it's difficult to look at um, with changes impending for the defence of set pieces, with an eye on Napoli on Thursday, it's difficult to call that. But you've got to be looking for a response from Leicester to qualify for the next stage of the Europa League and to beat Newcastle at the weekend. That's that's ultimately what we've got to be looking for. Yep, absolutely. And um, Albrighton, certainly for me, would be one who would play. Um, Ian Acho's a, a real conundrum isn't it I thought Jewsby Hall with Madison looked good and Barnes that kind of interlink there um really good uh, how how you could possibly go about having that and then maybe I mean this would ultimately obviously mean a, a, a formation change but then obviously Yuri Tillemans when fit I, th- I think there is room for that if if because of Yuri Tillemans the way he played last season where he was a lot deeper I know he's been kind of pushed forward this year but if he can maintain that role further back and having that kind of Dewsbury Hall, Madison, Vardy with Barnes, that that is exciting. Quite how that would work in a formation, not entirely sure. Um, It would more than likely mean, say, a three at the back and having Barnes as a, uh, not as a wing back, but um, having to do more duty on that side, in that defensive side. Anyway, that's all to, to... to ponder, really, because obviously we've been uh, mentioning defence. Now, uh, final couple of things. First of all, um, FA Cup draw. Did you see it? Yeah. Watford, again, so soon. <laughs> Watford, Claudio's back. So if you, if you weren't I'll there... I'll tell you what game... did annoy me, though. Sorry to jump in, but, you know, the some a lot of the headlines when it was, oh, look, the third round draw has been made. This team against this team, this team against this team. Nobody bloody mentioned Leicester and we're the defending champions. <laughs> Absolutely. The, the the list of teams on the left. Where's Leicester? The defending champions. Oh, these are some uh, notable names. These are Arsenal, Man United, Man City, Liverpool. And then you got your, you know, your Harrogates and your Boreham Woods, etc., obviously. No, not defending champions. I don't think they actually mentioned us at all before the draw. Yeah, I mean it's no big thing really, but it's uh, and also it's a big thing. It's the first time we've ever won it. We did. We deserve to be enjoying being dis- defending champions at least until the full time whistle when Ranieri comes back to haunt us and knocks us out in the third round. Actually, 
I, I, I take it back. I'm one of them people where, you know, when you see, you see, especially on social media, someone puts like a post of, look at this, at the background at Sky Sports News when they're talking about the Premier League and they've got um, six players there and one of them's not a Leicester player. Isn't it disgrace? We're, we're the unknown. And I'm thinking, oh my God, you know, come on. You know, what a thing to kind of uh, go, go mad about. You know, it's a bit odd. Um, actually, I think you're completely right here. I, I, I completely go back and scrap what I've just said. Not only that, Rob, why didn't they do the draw from the King Power? They should have done it from the King Power. From They should have been in the uh, in reception, possibly, with the Premier League trophy there and the FA Cup. They could have been in the in, in one of the suites upstairs. You could have had Birchie doing the draw with someone else, um, whoever. It should have been at the... I know they were at Wembley and you got two Arsenal kind of legends there and that sort of thing. Whatever. But why? Yeah, Why? Why Arsenal? What We're not fashionable enough, Pete. It was fashionable when we beat Chelsea because it was a big story. It's all swept under the carpet now because we're yeah. mid-table in the Premier League and nobody cares. I thought they were going to be. There could have been a non-league side. I mean, it could have been on the one show, I suppose. But it, why? Yeah, they should have been at the King Power. I completely go back. Yep, you're right. Not one, one mention of us, but there you go. Whatever. Watford at home. It's not exactly the most lively draw. I mean, Forest away would have been great, wouldn't it, or something like that. But uh, never mind. They got a good draw, actually. Looking at the draw of a whole, I thought it was quite a poor draw. <laughs> very, very uninspiring draw. Looking at it, you know, Manu Villa, oh, that'll be on TV, great. But um, I think you've got West Ham Leeds. But the the, the real one, Forest Arsenal, the, the last pick, that's obviously the game. Forest doing well, aren't they? So, uh, so yeah, that'll be probably on uh, on the BBC or whatever. But anyway, Watford at home. If you didn't get to the game at the King Power to see Claudio in the Premier League, here's your chance. Here's your chance to get a ticket in the FA Cup because I'd imagine there'll be uh, a fair few available. So, yeah, there you go. Whatever. Um, Watford in our defence of the uh, FA Cup. Uh, quick mention of the fancy football. Mentioning the fact that we haven't had a clean sheet since um, since God was a lad. We've... Uh, I've just noticed, Rob, you've got Kasper Schmeichel as your goalkeeper. What are you drinking? Only because uh, Ben Foster's injured. <laughs> oh, right. I mean, and, and, and every every week I think, oh, God, I've got to get Schmeichel out now, haven't I? And then uh, it turns out that I want to change an outfield player more. And I also think that we're so shocking defensively at the minute that he might get a saves bonus every week. It, it's got to change. So I've always thought, you know, it's got to change. It's we've got to keep a clean sheet sooner or later now if Arsenal can carry on with this clean sheet that'll be very handy for my side I'm in 18th place Rob you are in 26th place so we are closing on that top 10 we are we are doing very well this year uh, but uh, we haven't done it for a while so let's I know we're in the middle of the final game but uh, at the moment this is the top 10 <laughs> Tenth place is Ooh Jamie Vardy, uh, Harvey Porter Hamilton. What a name as well. Uh, Seventy points. He's got nine hundred and forty-three points. He's in tenth place. Uh, in ninth place, down in ninth, it's Lord of the Ings, Fraser Hodkins with nine hundred and forty-five. Karachi Breeze is Habis uh, Muzamil with nine hundred and forty-eight points. Seventh place, Daka Daka Hey Hey, Jack Wright, nine hundred and fifty-three points. Sixth place, that's Samare. Jack R with 962 points. Top 5, 963 points. Oh, Everton have scored. <laughs> so there goes all my clean sheet points. Damn it. Uh, is Team Dalek. I couldn't time that better, really. 
Aman Gulati, uh, 963 points. Fourth place, Fahim Boys, Murahim Prakash, 969 points. Third place, enter team name, Jeff Linton, 983 points. And then uh, we've got the top two, Vinny Vidi Vardy, Ben Melbourne, up into second place, 984 points. But clear at the top, uh, Team Addy, Adam Wise, uh, with 1,037 points. So we're not going to close, or I'm not going to close that much on the top uh, 10, but we're, we're lurking in, uh, what, 26th and 18th place, respectively. There we go. That's it for the podcast. Uh, get in contact via Twitter, at FFSpod, or via Facebook, type in for Fox 8 Podcast, find us on there, and make sure you uh, get in contact with us on anything to do with the show. Also, however you're listening to this podcast, whether it's through Spotify, whether it's through iTunes, Apple Podcasts, however, or SoundCloud, make sure that you give us a rating. So out of five, give us a rating. It really does help the podcast. It really does. So if you can go on there, however you're listening to the podcast, go on the podcast of choice. Just scroll down. You'll find an area where you can give up to five stars. Leave a comment if you like, but give us a rating, please. If you can do that for us this week, it really, really does help. It does. Um, it uh, helps the algorithm, etc., and people can find the podcast. So please do that. If you can do anything for us, uh, please just go and give us a rating on the podcast provider of choice this week. It'll do us a right favour. And it can be, that can be your gift for Rob, for his wedding. There you go. The wedding gift is give us a rating, ideally five stars, but it's up to you. And if you want to give us a comment on that, you can do. So for Rob, for your wedding, Make sure everyone listening to this gives us a rating on the podcast provider of choice. What a, what a, what a lovely present that would be, Rob. It would be very, very much appreciated, as would Leicester beating Napoli and Newcastle in the coming few days. Yeah, I'm going to say, if I, if I turn up on Saturday with a face like a slapped arse after the Napoli game, <laughs> never mind. Anyway, that's it. Um, I'll see you Saturday, Rob. Yes, looking forward to it. Good luck. Good luck.